I'm Sandra, and I'm just the professional your small business was looking for. But you didn't hire me because you didn't use LinkedIn jobs. LinkedIn has professionals you can't find anywhere else, including those who aren't actively looking for a new job, but might be open to the perfect role, like me. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't visit other leading job sites. So if you're not looking on LinkedIn, you'll miss out on great candidates like Sandra. Start hiring professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash people today. Ryan Reynolds here from Mint Mobile. With the price of just about everything going up during inflation, we thought we'd bring our prices down. So to help us, we brought in a reverse auctioneer, which is apparently a thing. Mint Mobile Unlimited Premium Wireless. Ready to get 30, 30, ready to get 30, ready to get 20, 20, 20, ready to get 20, 20, ready to get 15, 15, 15, 15, just 15 bucks a month. So give it a try at mintmobile.com slash switch. $45 up front for three months plus taxes and fees. Promote for new customers for limited time. Unlimited more than 40 gigabytes per month. Slows. Full terms at mintmobile.com. Right, quickly, before we get on with the episode, we've got an announcement. The MMA Fan Podcast is now sponsored by Free Train. Blake, what's Free Train? Free Train is a fantastic company that do these amazing vests for when you run, when you train. Whether you're going for a run or hitting the bag, you can keep your phone close to your chest. And uh, yeah, they're brilliant. They've got a little pocket for your keys. You No more do you need to have your phone rumbling around in your pocket or at an awkward angle on your arm or anything like that. You've got the vest on. Phones there, easy access to it. They do some great uh, gloves as well to keep your hands warm and be able to touch the phone and everything. It's all linked up with your phone. So, yeah, they're a fantastic brand. A couple of pockets for your keys, everything you need when you go for a run or if you're hitting the bag training. And you're not just saying this for the sake of it. Before they even become our sponsors, you had one of these vests, didn't you? Yeah. Yeah, I've, well, I've still got it. I run with it all the time. But yeah, before they became our sponsors, I had one of these vests. They are genuinely brilliant. I really like them. And uh, yeah, I'm really pleased they're our sponsor. And if you want one, if you head over to freetrain.com, when you go shopping and you put all your stuff in your in your basket, just before you check out, if you put in the code MMAFAN, you'll save yourself 10%. Don't say we don't spoil you here on this podcast. 10% off... An amazing vest from Free Train. www.freetrain.com. Right, let's get on with the show. Welcome to the MMA Fan Podcast. Ladies and gentlemen, I give you Stu and Blake. Hello and welcome to the MMA Fan Podcast. I'm Stu Whiffin. I'm one of your presenters joining me as ever via the means of Zoom technology, Blake Harrison. Hello. Hello, mate. How's it going? All good. All good, mate. I can't, uh, I can't complain. I'm hyped for today's chat. Who we got? We have got UFC heavyweight contender Tom Aspinall. Mm. I did see in another interview... He don't like nicknames. Yeah, he's not a nickname fan. And when we, funnily enough, when we had Lee Mack mm. on the show, we referenced because uh, we made uh, Lee Mack watch uh, uh, Andre Arlovsky versus uh, Travis Brown, and Arlovsky had only recently been beaten by Tom Aspinall when we got Lee to watch this. And uh, we should have mentioned this to Tom, but we, we uh, Lee Lee wasn't a fan of Tom not having a nickname. And he, he, we, we, what <laughs> we'll do, this. We, what we'll do is we'll, we'll put Tom in touch with Lee Mack and Lee Mack can help Tom create yeah. a nickname for himself. But no, he's, he's not a massive fan of nicknames. Tom, Tom Aspinall kind of says it all for him. Yeah. And, and, and I think 
you know, if you've been following uh, Tom's career, you know, he doesn't need any thrills outside of the octagon because he's on point right now and uh, and a serious threat to the uh, heavyweight division. And as you find out today, he's in no rush to get to the top. He's got a plan and uh, and we go in on that plan. And yeah, you're going to hear from a very smart and measured, well, well thought out fighter today. And uh, it's a cracker, right? It's an absolute cracker. We go into, um, you know, how difficult it was for him to get fights in his early MMA days and moving over to boxing briefly and sparring with Tyson Fury. Um, and we talk about the mental aspect of the sport as well and how, you know, he, he's still at times does get nervous and anxious mm-hmm. and uh, and gets upset when training doesn't go his way and, and stuff like that. And he's a very kind of open, friendly, and also very intelligent bloke. Like, he's not one of these guys that's going to be out there saying, I want a five-round war with so-and-so. He wants to get in, get the job done. And his, his intelligence and his attitude towards the fight game, I think, is is absolutely as it should be. Completely. And if this is your first time checking out the podcast, then all I'll say is when you get to the end of this um, smashing chat with with Tom, go and have a look in the archives because there's there's nearly 40 episodes now and and we've spoke to a real who's who of the uh, the MMA world. So go and have a, a rummage in the archives because you'll find loads of chats with some of your favourite fighters. And also give us a follow on the socials as well because we're, we're, we're on all of those. Blake, should we press play on the chat? Let's do it. Ladies and gentlemen, here is Tom Aspinall. Sorry to interrupt this episode. We've just got to tell you all about our new sponsor, Feel Supreme. They're a nationally recognised brand who offer only the very highest quality of natural supplements. Their extensive range includes a range of medicinal mushrooms, nootropics, anti-aging products, gut support products, green powders, vitamins and much more. Yep, they've worked with fighters from all the top promotions, including UFC, Bellator, Brave and Cage Warriors, with a solid reputation of providing results. So check them out on Instagram, which is at feel underscore supreme, or their website, www.feelsupreme.co.uk, and make sure you use the code MMAFAN for a cool 15% off your first order. Don't say we don't spoil you. Back to the podcast. Hey, Tom, how's it going, mate? <laughs> yeah, it's going all right, thanks. Yeah, it's going, it's going really well. How's things going with you? Very well, mate. We're all good, Very mate. well. We're all good. Um, so, I mean, I think we want to just dive straight into this, mate, and just, I suppose, the, the way we always start this is uh, to give the listeners a bit of a foundation and kind of like how it was that you, you got into MMA. So, so how did you get into MMA? Because I'm, I'm pretty sure that your dad was quite a big influence in your kind of early early start into into the sport. Yeah, mate. It's always a question that that I'm I don't feel comfortable really answering because it's very hard for me to say. Um, I guess I can say how I got into it. Maybe when I started is more of a difficult question. Yeah, I got into it basically just through my dad because he was a my dad was one of the first jiu-jitsu black belts in the UK. So I've always been around jiu-jitsu and I've always had the view, I don't know, it's just something that a young guy likes, isn't it? Well, I'm every young guy, but it's something that I like certainly is like uh, scrapping, a bit of rough and tumble with uh, somebody else. So yeah, it's well, I like to I've watch always... it. I like to, you know, <laughs> and I, when I was younger, I used to like watching like the WWF and all that kind of stuff. But to actually do it is is a completely different 
kettle of fish, I think. So the, the, the mindsets that people like yourself have to actually go, oh, no, I want to do that. That to me is, is I don't know, it's, it's, it's mad. It's, I, 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 I find it quite uh, amazing. So, yeah, what, 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 so, and, and do you have a lot of, of pride in saying my dad was one of the first jujitsu black belts in the UK? Or does, does, is there pressure that comes with that? Do you feel like, oh, everyone knows my dad's one of the first jujitsu black belts. So if I'm there striking or, or if I get a, a submission slightly wrong, they're all rolling their eyes at me or something. No, to be honest, I don't really, uh, I'm not really the type of guy who concerns myself on what other people say too much, to be honest. You know, I really, I really care about the people who, who are close to me, what they think. Other people, I'm not really, I'm not really too bothered. But yeah, it, it definitely gives me a lot of pride because, um, like being a black belt these days, it's pretty common. Like every, everyone's a black belt really, if you do jiu-jitsu long enough. But, um, in them days, it was a lot more difficult to, uh, get up to them levels so yeah it's uh yeah it's important to me you know what i mean it's a big it's a big thing it's a big thing for for him definitely and you, you mentioned being young and 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 being drawn to sort of scrapping uh, and stuff tom was you always someone even at a young age that was comfortable and confident with confrontation no no i don't really like confrontation to be honest even now i don't really like confrontation for me this is purely just martial arts it's a sport um, when I say scrapping, I don't mean like uh, animosity to one another. I don't really, it doesn't really mean like I'm not really into that. I just like the actual participation of one person versus another person, yeah. uh, skill versus skill. I'm not really interested in uh, being angry at somebody or uh, all the rest of that stuff that comes with it. It doesn't really interest me at all, that kind of stuff. Has that ever got sort of into your head if it's directed at you in, you know, in kind of like, you know, pre-fight trash talk and stuff like that? I mean, you know, we've been watching your career and obviously you don't seem like the kind of guy that's going to get pulled into sort of dishing that out. Um, but we also see that it is, it is quite a, a a useful way of maybe some fighters fast-tracking um, in rankings and, and getting exposure if we look at, maybe more recently that O'Malley is getting a lot of attention just because of the way that he conducts himself and carries himself and talks trash and such like, has, has that ever been something that you've ever considered being more kind of vocal yourself in lead ups to fights? And does it ever have any effect on you if it's directed at you as well? As far as me doing it, I think um, I'm comfortable to do it as long as it is uh, genuine. Yeah. If I have to put it on, like, I think everybody can just see straight through that personally. Like, for me personally, if I'm watching someone that you can tell it's not genuine, um, I just find it extremely difficult to watch shots. So I would never, if I actually genuinely had, you know, wanted to have banter with someone or take the piss or I had a problem with them or whatever, like, I have no problem being vocal with it. But if it's just faked, like, I think I would feel uncomfortable doing it. And I think people, people would feel uncomfortable watching it. So I don't think it would do anything. Um, and if someone did it to me, that doesn't affect me, man. Like I've grown up around gyms. Uh, I've been around a lot of guys, the friends group that I've got, you know, we, we all rip each other, same as anybody else. You know, it doesn't really, at the end of the day, it's just sport to me. Yeah. You know what I mean? It's just, it doesn't, doesn't mean anything. Like if someone's talking shit and doesn't, I don't have a big ego. So, I'm not going to be easily offended. So say what you want. You know, there's nothing off limits for me. At the end of the day, I'm going to do, go in and do my thing anyway. Like you say, for some people, 
they've got a massive ego and it'll affect the performance for me mate all that's gone like as soon as soon as the uh as soon as i'm in there i'm enjoying myself and doing my thing no matter whether i like them or not it doesn't really it's irrelevant to me yeah I've heard you say in uh, in an interview as well that you, you did a, a wrestling class uh, when you were about six or seven years old and you said, and I don't know if you were kind of half joking or not, but you said you basically cried your way through the class. And we had Brett Johns on a while back who said that he was doing judo from an early age and he was nicknamed Crybaby in, in the gym because he would cry a lot. And I wanted to ask you, in terms of like toughness, is that something that, you think can be taught as you kind of get older and are in these gyms and doing that stuff? Or do you think it's a genetic thing? Cause even though you did say that you, you cried for a wrestling class, you've still, you know, you've got like your dad's a, a BJJ black belt and all that kind of stuff. So you would imagine there's a lot of kind of just genetic toughness passed on is, is toughness something that can be taught? Do you think? Um, it's a good question. I don't really, I don't really know. Cause I still cry now if I have a bad training session. Like, I've got my ass kicked this week and cried about it. So, um, I don't, I honestly, don't, I don't know. I guess you get used to taking them. Is that a different thing, though? Is that like, because I suppose the way I was thinking about it as a kid, because I know what I would have been, probably been like, is that I would have cried at a physical pain. I probably still would today. But uh, <laughs> I, would, I would, you know, like, if you got knocked over bad, you like, like, I was the kid that, that cried. But you're talking about maybe like, I don't know, maybe a certain pressure on yourself or something like that because you're talking about a session going badly. You're not necessarily crying because someone hit you in the stomach. So but what, like, is, is that a different, do, do you see that the, the same way then in terms of like a kind of physical and mental toughness? Are they linked? Is that the same thing? Yeah, I think, I think they're quite linked. Um, like you say, the, yeah. these days I'm, I'm mainly crying because I've got, a, like I, I might get a beat up in training, but it, it doesn't really, hurt as much I don't yeah you just, you just get like you get more conditioned to the knocks I think um, yeah you just yeah you just get more conditioned to it but um, you do get conditioned emotionally as well I guess um, to taking it because at first it's like you start getting punched and and uh, threw on the floor and all that and you kind of take I did anyway I kind of t- took it personally uh, like shit they're trying to like really hurt me and then after a while, you kind of can sit, you kind of just think, well, that is the sport is to kind of hurt the other person. So uh, after a while, it just becomes, for me, I'm not speaking from my own experience. Um, it just became less personal and more, this is what the actual sport is, is you, you're trying to like essentially hurt one another. So you can't really take it personal. I, I read that um, after um, a sort of a short amount of time in um, competing at MMA, it looked like you said that you were having trouble getting matched for fighters and you then moved into boxing. Yeah. Um, what made you, was it purely just that you wasn't getting matched that made you go into boxing? And what was the draw to then go back to MMA and, 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 and not box? Right. How long have we got on this podcast? <laughs> as long as you want. Honestly, we can go on for ages. It's right. as long as you want. Right. Um, so yeah, being a UK heavyweight is not easy in any stretch of the imagination. Like it's very tough to find training partners, very tough to find matches, and all the rest of it. Um, at the time, I had quite a long amateur career for a for a heavyweight. I had nine amateur fights, which is not that many, but I wanted to have as many as I could. 
basically, when in my amateur fights, I thought, I think everyone apart from one or two was unbeaten because I just thought, if I lose all my amateur fights, it doesn't matter because you start your record again. Mm. Bro, so I'm not bothered. So me and my coaches, we just said, look, we're just going to take the hardest amateur fights we can. So basically, I, I beat all the guys. I went 9-0 and as an amateur. I beat all the guys who were unbeaten. And then, when it comes to being pro then, I really struggled to get matched. Even though I was really young, I was still like 20, 21 or something like that. Um, I struggled to get matches. So um, I was taking matches against guys who were actually a lot better than me and winning still, which made it even more difficult to get matches then. Yeah. And then I took a loss early on in like my second or third pro fight, I think something like that. I was, like I say, I was really young, which was really good for me. And then I started getting a couple more matches. And then I got matched up against a guy at the time who was really, really like hot at the time. And I beat him and I got disqualified for the fight, even though I won the fight. This is a whole nother story. This is, this is a whole podcast on its own. <laughs> so <laughs> we won't go into that too much. I got disqualified, but I won the fight. Um, and long story short, really, really long story short, I got disqualified. After the fight, some of my friends started fighting with the referee and some of the like security staff, right? So what happened was the video came back. I tried to protest the um I tried to protest the no contest, sorry, the, the loss to a win. But what the referee said is he said, it's clear on the video that I was wrong, but we're not going to bring the video out because I was assaulted after the fight. So if you put the video anywhere, you're going to get sued, basically. So basically, I won the fight, but the referee made a mistake. He disqualified me. After the fight, my friends started fighting with the referee and security and then after that the video came out where I clearly won the fight and the referee made a mistake but he didn't want to admit his mistake because he got assaulted which is fair enough and then well it's not fair enough I won the fight and I'm still pissed off to this day and it was like five years ago yeah, <laughs> but, uh, anyway after that fight I just really I was really pissed off like with the sport and I couldn't get matched I was struggling to get matched big time after that now at this time I was struggling with the sparring too probably struggled to get a ref after what your mates did as well to be fair <laughs> yeah it, it wasn't it wasn't good it wasn't good the whole thing was just a big mess it just wasn't good um, like I obviously didn't want my friends that to happen if yeah, that didn't course. happen yeah. it, it, if that didn't happen it would have got overturned and I would have got a win like the day or two after do you know what I mean it was clear as on the video that it wasn't that it was a mistake on the rest part but anyway that's all done that's all in the past Anyway, at this time, I was struggling to get sparring. My dad is friends with uh, Peter Fury. I don't know if you know Peter Fury. He is Tyson yeah. Fury. He's Tyson Fury's uncle, Huey Fury's dad. So, round about this time, um, you know, I was struggling for matches and stuff, and I was going to spar with Tyson and Huey because my dad knows Peter, like the friends and stuff. So I was in there. I get a fight, I get cancelled. I get another fight, I get cancelled, and it. All this time I was in there sparring with Tyson and Huey and, and the rest of the guys. And uh, after a while, Peter just said, why don't you just try uh, boxing? Why don't you just have a go boxing while you're struggling for an MMA fight? So I did. And 
that was this is a whole nother story again. Uh, I struggled to get a license for boxing for professional boxing. It took me like a year because they didn't they didn't want to give MMA fighters a license as a professional boxer with no amateur experience. So that was a whole load of red tape in itself. That's a whole nother podcast again on its own. But um, yeah, anyway, I got a license, had a fight, and I, I just kind of started seeing that it wasn't any easier for me to get boxing fights as it was MMA fights. At the same time, I was still training jiu-jitsu and wrestling and stuff, and I just kind of missed it. I just kind of missed the freedom of being able to do whatever you want. You know, I was stuck in this rule set of just punching and grabbing each other, punching and grabbing each other, punching for every day, and I was just like, oh, man, I, I need more. Like, I need more mental stimulation than just punching and grabbing each other. You know what I mean? We need to throw a few kicks in, and I need to take a few people down. And Yeah. Yeah, I just I just kind of became a bit. I didn't want to do. It wasn't that I became stale with it because I didn't. But at the time, I was still like early twenties. I was like twenty three, twenty four, and I didn't. I couldn't see myself doing it for another fifteen years of my life. That same, just boxing, just punching and grabbing each other. Like I found it a little bit. Yeah, it just didn't stimulate me a, a lot mentally. So um, yeah, inevitably, I went back to MMA and started picking that up then again. Was the financial implications ever part of? them decisions because I think famously you know there's there's bigger money available in in boxing than there is in MMA at, at the moment uh in in certain organizations and w- was that ever something where you thought maybe I could make more money boxing as well or yeah it, it was but it turns out that again this is a whole nother story but um if you're a boxer without an amateur record you're going to struggle to make money man like like for me for my boxing fight I had no idea how it worked until I went through all the red tape of getting my license so the way it works for a guy with no amateur experience and no uh, like Olympic pedigree or ABA pedigree or anything like that is I had to so I had to sell tickets obviously so I wasn't actually getting paid for the fight I was getting paid only on commission on tickets so let's say I sold 50 tickets Wait, you're going to... Don't make me do maths. Don't make me do maths here. (laughs) Yeah, say say I sold 50 tickets and they were 100 quid each. So what's that? No, that's that's too much maths. Anyway, let's just say... Yeah, say I sold 50 tickets. I don't know how much they were. 50 tickets. And um, so I had to pay myself, the promoter, and my opponent out of the ticket money. Mm. So I actually had to pay my own opponent from my money, which was... Like I say, I only actually found this out when I got my license and stuff. Otherwise, I wouldn't have bothered with it. Um, so I was like, well, I've got to pay my own opponent. And they were like, yeah, you have to pay your own opponent. And then I thought, well, one sec. Well, that means he's not going to try and really win, surely. And then I said, like, how many, how many times is this going to happen? Like, And they said, oh, we can give you a step up in opponents next time if you want. But he wants, I don't know, say the first guy wanted one grand. The next guy will want three grand, for example, because he's better. So I said, so do I have to pay that myself for three grand? And they're like, yeah. So I'm like, right, I got to fight for free and I got to pay my opponent essentially three grand out of my own money. And they're like, yeah, that's what you have to do. And I'm like, well, I ain't doing it. Sorry. I don't blame you. That sounds I mean, mental. It makes no sense. Like, I'm going to pay someone three grand to punch me in the face for 12 rounds. Well, it's, it's very odd because I was like, when am I, when's someone going to turn up and try and actually beat me? Because that's what I'm doing this for. I don't want to. Mm. I don't want to pay someone to come in and, you know, go a couple of rounds and then fall over. Like, 
I want to pay someone to try and beat me. I'm not, I might as well go and hit the bag. Like, yeah. I, mean, I don't want to just do that. So, yeah, they couldn't really give me an answer on that. And I'm like, is this going to be for five fights? Is it going to be for 10 fights? Is it going to be 15? And they're like, oh, we don't know. So I'm like, well, peace, I'm out of here. Yeah. And to the best of your knowledge, if you've got uh, that kind of Olympic pedigree or a strong amateur record, are your finances maybe taken care of by like a sponsorship or something else and, and there's a different way of doing it or are they still like, if you're Anthony Joshua or, you know, whoever else is doing well in the Olympics and stuff, they, are they coming through and having a similar situation where their ticket sales are going to their opponents? No, mate, they they won't have that at all. No. They will, uh, well, they'll sign with a bit, first of all, they'll probably sign with a big promoter, won't they, like Eddie Ernest? Yes. They'll like, get them on a flat rate straight away, they'll get them straight on a flat rate and then, like you say, they'll have a million sponsors to go straight away. People love the Olympics. And even coming from the ABAs and stuff, like I still spar boxers regular. And uh, like I just sparred a boxer the other day. He was an ABA champion. He's just going to turn pro. And uh, like he's getting like 20 grand straight away wow. like, just to just to turn pro. So yeah, stuff like that is, uh, yeah, you just get like, it's really weird with boxing because they made me keep going to different board meetings, which was in like Bradford or something, which is quite far from where I live. It's like two hours away. And um, they just didn't recognize MMA as like similar to boxing at all, um, which is really odd because I'm like, look, I've had like 20 MMA fights just YouTube me, yeah. you know what I mean? Just watch, see that I can throw punches and stuff. And uh, like they kept sending different guys down to the gym to see if I could uh, defend myself properly and all, all that kind of stuff. It was bizarre. that uh, They really didn't want to give me a license because I was an MMA fighter, like they don't recognise it as a sport at all. I wonder if this because they see it as a threat, because it, from my personal opinion, I, I, I know Stu loves his, his boxing, but I've, I've, I'm not really that bothered about boxing. I find MMA to be far more entertaining than, than boxing. I love the, the kicks and the fact that there's the takedowns, and it feels more like the closest you'll probably get to an actual organised real fight. And um, and you think about the Anthony Joshua's and the Tyson Furies of this world, and you kind of go, but yeah, but if you're fighting a Stipe or a Tom Aspinall, and they go, right, well, I'm not going to box with you, I'm going to take you down, then that's the person that's going to win that fight. So I just think of it as far more entertaining, and I'm wondering if they don't want to give those licenses out to MMA fighters because maybe it kind of legitimizes MMA more, and and they see that as a threat long term. I don't know. I'm just coming up with a theory off the top of my head. No, definitely. And I, I personally think, I don't know about you guys, but the boxing, uh, the structure of boxing, like uh, it, it's dead in the water, man. Like the, the way that the, it's set up, it's, it's ridiculous uh, for, a, for a viewer. Like if you watch like an Eddie Hearn show or a Frank Warren show, they say they've got 10 fighters on. You can guarantee 10 of those fighters of, of Eddie Hearn's or Frank Warren's or whatever, they're going to be fighting guys who don't even want to be there like it's ridiculous I know you have to have fights to learn but like say you're 2-0 as an MMA fighter just for example you're 2-0 as a pro you're going to be fighting someone 5-2 and two or 3-1 yeah. and one or another guy who's 2-0 and oh or something like that if you're 2-0 in boxing you're going to be fighting someone 10-37 and 37. That, <laughs> and that, that's, a good, that's a good guy do you know what I mean like yeah. you're going to be fighting like it's just ridiculous you might as well like I've been around to loads of boxing gyms, loads of boxing. Gyms. I sparred with loads of top level boxers. Um, I love boxing, um, and you get these guys acting like the frigging world champions, and they've had twenty fights, and but they've not actually had a fight yet. Like it's, mm. it's really, it's really like it perplexes me 
And then they kind of look down on MMA fighters because they've got losses. And it's like, yeah, but they're they're having actual fights. Yeah. Like, it's not like you who's going in there fighting a guy that's ready to fall over after 30 seconds. Like, all, the, all these guys try and do, they're fighting. It's like, they're just trying to survive. They're trying to do the six rounds and they're not throwing anything back. Like, it's, yeah. it's ridiculous. Someone's going to get killed doing that stuff. What What is going on? How can they expect people to keep buying these boxing shows week in and week out when they're fighting? Absolute shit. Like, it's terrible. Absolutely. I think, like, when... Um... When there was first sort of getting a lot of heat that you know this side of the water about Deontay Wilder, you see this huge record, and then you just look at the people that he'd fought in them first sort of fifteen twenty fights, and and they were just put there for him to to just make his way through quickly. Yeah, it's it's like that with so many. Um... Hiring for your small business? If you're not looking for professionals on LinkedIn, you're looking in the wrong place. That's like looking for your car keys in a fish tank. LinkedIn helps you hire professionals you can't find anywhere else, even those who aren't actively searching for a new job but might be open to the perfect role. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't even visit other leading job sites. So start looking in the right place. With LinkedIn, you can hire professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash people today. Hey there, it's Michelle Norris. I'm host of a podcast called Your Mama's Kitchen. When I travel, I'm usually looking for a way to find a taste of home when I'm not at home. And one of the things I love to do when I am at home is entertain. And Airbnb allows me to do that. When I was in California recently, I rented a house that had a great kitchen. And when we were sitting around the table, we're all thinking, we're in someone else's house. Someone could be in all of our homes as well. If you have a home, but you're not always at home, you have an Airbnb. Your home might be worth more than you think. Find out how much at airbnb.com slash host. Mom deserves the best, and there's no better place to shop for Mother's Day than Whole Foods Market. They're your destination for unbeatable savings. From premium gifts to show-stopping flowers and irresistible desserts, start by saving 33% with Prime on all body care and candles. Then get a 15-stem bunch of tulips for just $9.99 each with Prime. Round out Mom's menu with festive rosé, irresistible berry chantilly cake, and more special treats. Come celebrate Mother's Day at Whole Foods Market. Yeah, and like I say, it's the the attitude of the actual boxers, the fighters themselves as well, they just like, they think they're so superior because they've got like an unbeaten record and it's like, yeah, but man, you've not actually had a fight. You might have won 20, 20 fights against guys who don't want to be there, but when you actually have a fight against someone else, let's see how you actually get on. Do you know what I mean? It's, yeah. it's really bizarre. And as, as a viewer, it's, I find it very difficult to watch boxing because you can basically know you, you know the outcome of the fight before it even starts. It's really weird. Yeah. Well, let's get back on to MMA because that's what we're all here for. And I want to ask you a question about being a heavyweight because I want to know kind of how do you prepare your body as a heavyweight? Because there's so many weights you can be. It's not like you're you're making a, a certain limit here. I know there is the 265 limit, but like we've had a situation with Stipe and Garnu too uh, a few months back where Stipe was probably about two stone lighter than Nganu, and he's come out saying, oh, you know, I, for a trilogy fight or for my next fight, I'm going to put loads of that weight back on. And the fact that you can go from being 
you know, once you've, you know, you're not going to be 205, obviously, but you technically can be 206 or 207, whatever it is, and then go all the way up to 265. How do you prepare your body for a fight? Do you just go, how do I feel the best? Or do you look at your opponent and go, I'm going to need more speed, so I'll go in at 240 something, or I'm going to need to take him down, so I need to be heavier, I should hit that 265 limit. How do you prepare? A little bit of both, to be honest. Uh, You do have to look at your opponent and think, you know, if you're fighting a massive guy, if you're fighting a guy on the limit, you can't really come in at 210. Like, it's just not going to work out. You're going to have a bit of speed and cardio advantage. It just depends on your style, really. Um, Like, I like to not be too heavy because I feel like my cardio suffers quite a bit um, if I get too heavy. But then on the flip side of it, you don't want to be too light because you lose strength. So you need to be on that. Yeah. You need to be in that medium uh, place, in my opinion. If you look historically, I know we've got Ngannou at the moment, who's an absolute unit. But if you look historically at the heavyweights, like most of them are around 240, between 240 and 250 generally, uh, the most successful ones. So, um, yeah, it's like, it's, it's all well and good being massive, but it's, you you ain't got to do three rounds at a competitive um, in a competitive fight. It's not going to be easy carrying all that muscle or fat or whatever 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 you got weighing that much. It's not going to be that easy for you uh, carrying that weight and someone else's weight on top of it as well. Like it, yeah. it's difficult. I would be very interested to see Arangani went after two rounds. And you've said that um, being outside of the UFC as a mixed martial artist was, and I think I'm quoting you directly. Shit. Uh, <laughs> what, what? What were the? Uh, what were the big? I'm assuming it's financial stuff. But what were the, the the biggest problems facing you as a mixed martial artist outside of the UFC? And um, but what? Um, how difficult was it for you mentally? Because I think you've also said that you've had family having to talk you round every now and again because you almost felt like packing it in on a few occasions. It was, it was that tricky for you. So how did you mentally get through those, those tough times and, and what were those biggest problems for you? Yeah, I think uh, it's a pretty good assumption on my part. If you have quoted me there, it, it, it is shit. <laughs> um, <laughs> um, yeah, mainly, mainly financially, to be honest. Um, you just don't have any money ever. <laughs> like. Um, I don't think a lot of people, even the people close to me, I don't think they really realize really how financially struggling I was at some points. It's like some days, and I'm not I'm not over exaggerating. I don't I don't like to bring it up a lot. I don't want to be like, oh look at me, poor me, and all that stuff, because this was a this was the the cho- the this was the life that I chose, you know what I mean? I can't complain about it. Um but like I've got three kids and some days I essentially like, I, I don't want to say it like without being dramatic, but sometimes like I had, because I used to work as like a PT and I used to teach a bit of jujitsu and stuff. Like I didn't have money to put fuel in my car to go to the gym some days. Mm. You know, like that's, that's the level it got to, you know, so some days I had to kind of choose, do I want to go to the gym or do I want to buy nappies for my kid? Like that's literally um, wow. the points it got to at some point, and I don't think a lot of people realise that. Even like 
UFC fighters are like we're we're not like I'm making money now, thank God. Um, but it's a, it's still a short window of money that you can make, and there's so many like. I feel like a lot of people get to a really good level. Like they'll get to a, like Cage Warriors, brilliant show, Cage Warriors. Uh, brilliant show. Like I came up on Cage Warriors and I got into the UFC through Cage Warriors. But you, like these guys are really high level. They're on the fringe of, like, of the UFC. Like they're right there. Um, but they're absolutely skinned. Like they've got no money. And a lot of them, that, like I said, they're right there. So they've put the life into it. And it's kind of like, Shit, I'm gonna to have to do something else, or I'm gonna to have to get in the UFC. Like it's what it's one of the. Two. That's where I was kind of at anyway. But like I said, like you just mentioned a minute ago, like luckily I have a lot of people around me who believe in me because it's so. There's some days I'd come back, you know, I'd have another fight pulled out, I'd have another fight cancelled, I'd be injured or whatever, um, and I just got sick of it. And uh, luckily I have people around me like my missus, my parents, friends, and they're just like, look, you've come this far, you can't just stop it now. So luckily I'm so thankful that I've, I've got them people around me. You mentioned uh, the UFC, and am I right in saying that the first time you was offered a contract with UFC, you turned it down? Yeah, that's right. To be honest, I wasn't sure if I wanted to take it the second time. But um, <laughs> Why was that? Because I don't want to be, I don't want to be a flash in the pan. I want to be a. I want. I want this to be it. You know what I mean. I don't want to fight on any other organisations. Yeah. I want to be here for the next ten years and then retire and, and enjoy the rest of my life. Move, move on and do something else. I don't want to be one of these guys who. I'm not. I'm not the kind of person who's easily like. Um, I don't know. Like I don't know. If starstruck's the right word, but I, I'm not. Like if it's not right for me, I won't do it. Simple as that. Like I'm selfish. Like if if it's not. 100% right for me I won't do something because it's better for someone else like that's just not my thing if it doesn't work for me and my family I ain't going to do it so I didn't want to be a I didn't want to be one of them guys who goes in too early gets knocked out a couple of times and then has to fight on the local shows again and then builds up again maybe doesn't make it and then has to quit like I've put too much time in I've been through too much stuff to uh, to do that so I wanted to get in and like I say fight the rest of my career out in the UFC at the highest level that's a really smart and mature way to look at it, though. You know, I think that's that's really impressive to go because everybody, I, I presume most most mixed martial artists, the the holy grail is to get to the UFC and and to be smart enough in yourself and go at the moment, I'm I'm not quite where I want to be. I'm going to wait. I think that's a really really smart move. Yeah, I mean, you got to look. You got to look at the uh, the landscape of the heavyweights. Like, um, I think the first time I got offered, I was like, I'll twenty. I don't know. 25 possibly 24 and most successful heavyweights are between 35 and 40 that's usually when a heavyweight primes so you don't want to be like even though i'm still 28 you know i'm still really young but uh for a heavyweight anyway like it's a lot older than i feel a lot more mature than i did when i was 24 that's for yeah. sure so um and when i was fighting on cage warriors again i kind of the, the promoter actually said look we are we can't match you anymore like I had two two fights in Cage Warriors, and uh, the matchmaker literally came to me and my coaches and was like, after after my last fight, and he was like, "Look, we can't. We I had four fights left on my on my Cage Warriors contract, and they're like, we cannot match you anymore. You're going to have to go somewhere else and find something else." And around about that time, the UFC offered again, so we're like, "Look, let's just go for it. Let's just let's just go for it now. It's, it's the right time." So we went for it. 
in a way, I'm not surprised that you're saying that kind of stuff because you do come across as a very kind of very intelligent fighter in terms of I, I, I heard an interview of you recently and it was funny, but it was really smart that people were talking about or you were talking about, sorry, the fact that you don't want like the hardest fights in the world and like to go out in, in all these wars. You'd like to get paid loads of money, get the easiest fight possible, win, get no brain trauma, carry on with your life, happy days. And I was like, you constantly hear fighters go, I want to fight the best version of this guy ever. And I want to go into a five round war and I want to do all this kind of stuff. It's like, that's the last thing I'd, I, I, I would do the Tom Aspinall route. I'm like, I hope you're on a really off day. I knock you out really quickly or submit you really quickly, cash my checks and I'm on with my life. Definitely. And I think, um, see, a lot of fighters talk a lot of shit. A lot of fighters have a massive ego. And uh, I just want to be honest. And not only that, but let's just take this for, for an example, right? Weight divisions, weight divisions, for example. If you want the hardest fights possible and you're a middleweight, if you want the hardest fights possible, right? Go to heavyweight and fight in Ghana then. If you want the hardest fights possible, do that. Why, why are people cutting 20 plus pounds in a week to fight other than another guy? And I know exactly why. So they can be a lot bigger than the guy and have a, a massive advantage in physicality. Yeah. Now, if you want a massive advantage over somebody else, then you don't want the hardest fights, do you? In my opinion, anyway. Yeah. If you want the hardest fights, then fight at the weight you are against another really good guy. Don't cut 20 pounds of your body weight in a week to fight somebody. Does that make sense? I don't know yeah. if I'm really making yeah. sense. No, that. that makes perfect sense. Absolutely. Like, if you want the hardest fights, um, then fight at your actual weight rather than cutting down for a massive advantage on, on every muscle. So when people call people out, see, I should imagine there are people out there who do want hard fights. I'm not saying that they're not. Um, I'm just saying that I don't. Mm. I want, I, I want, I, obviously, I want to fight the best guys, but I want to get paid a lot of money for it. And I want it to be for a title, really. If I can, if I can have easy fights yeah. all the way up to the title, I'll do that. Mm. Do you know what I mean? I, I don't want to, uh, I don't, I don't really, I'm not really interested in getting brain damage if I can help it. Absolutely. I mean, just just to sort of look back on 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 your last fight as well, uh, and you, you you talk about you know not being starstruck. I know that uh, Olovsky was somebody that um, you you said in, in previous interviews was quite inspirational. Seeing him at uh, UFC Manchester back in the day, um, I just wonder how it felt um, being in the octagon, looking across at him, and you know did did any of that kind of awe or respect was that there or was it just another guy? No way. Do you know what? I am absolutely ice cold. I don't know what it is. I don't know why. I, I, I can't even tell you why. Um, <laughs> when I get in there, mate, I feel nothing. Uh, it doesn't like it's just another person. You know what yeah. I mean? It's a black. It's, it's a blank face. It doesn't really. It doesn't really matter. Like um, to be fair, at the weigh-ins, um, I was like, oh shit, this is our like this is Arlovsky. But when you get in there, like you're on a different mindset. Well, I, I can always speak for myself. Do you know what I mean? I can't speak for anybody else. But um, for me personally, yeah, I don't feel anything for anybody. That's just that's just 
Say, I see it for what it is. It's a sport. It's a, it's a fella stood over there with a pair of gloves on. You've got your gloves on. And you're going doing the sport. That's what I see it as. I'm not, as I keep saying, I'm not, I can't speak for everybody else. But for me, I'm not into all this egotistical, oh, let's leave it all in there. Let's do, you know, let's, we're going to war. I'm not going to war. I'm going doing a sport that I enjoy. Yeah. I'm going, I'm going doing my job that I enjoy doing. And when I stop enjoying doing it, I go and do something else. You know what I mean? I'm not, this is not, I just see it for what it is, man. It's just, it's just a sport. And I think people look into it too much, all this warrior mindset. And, oh yeah, we're going to, you know, if you're a warrior and you want to go to war, just go in the army, man. Go and shoot people or go to a proper war. Do you know what I mean? This is not, yeah. this is a sport. And, you know, this is my job. I'll do my job. And like I say, when I don't enjoy it anymore, I'll go and do something else. You said um, that you feel like a better person when you've got a fight lined up and that sometimes without a fight lined up, you can go off the rails a little bit. Now, we've had um, Sean Strickland uh, winning uh, his fight against Uriah Hall recently, and he said something to the extent of, oh, um, if I wasn't fighting in the UFC, I'd be cooking meth and probably in prison. Now, I don't get the impression from you, Tom, that you'd be someone that would be cooking meth and end up necessarily in prison. You seem like quite a, quite a nice, friendly, intelligent bloke. But what I was going to ask you is, if you weren't a mixed martial artist, how far off the rails do you think you would go? And also, do you have any theories as to why combat sports in particular seem to be able to save a certain type of person from going down the wrong path? Yeah. Um... So you're asking me what I would be doing, do you think? Like if I didn't, if I wasn't doing it. Well, yeah, like how, how far off the rails do you think? Because you've said, you said with a fight lined up, you, you're a better, you feel like a better person. Yeah. So if you weren't a mixed martial artist, if you were in a, a nine to five job, that whatever it is you would have done if you weren't a mixed martial artist, would you, would you really have, have gone off the rails? And how far off the rails do you think you would go? Um, I think I could. I think I could go pretty far off the the rails, to be honest. <laughs> really, uh, I don't. I don't know. Is it difficult to say because um, I don't. Th- I don't think the same as it. I can only really compare to what I used to be like before I trained and stuff. And that was like way like I didn't have any kids in them days. I didn't have like a house and all like all that's you know that's all. And those things, particularly kids, they they change, you. don't they? They they do make Definitely. you mature and reevaluate. Definitely, life. like I would never. I, I, doesn't matter if I was fighting or not. I don't think I would like go off the rails these days. You know what I mean? I'm a bit of a boring guy these days. But um, you know, I'm, I'm from a, I'm from a, not the roughest area ever, but not from the nicest area ever. And uh, like, I won't say I'd like go off the rails, like be a criminal. Do you know what I mean, or anything like that? Even though a lot of my friends are in jail, uh, a lot of people I know are in jail. Uh, but. Like a lot of my friends who I went to school with and stuff, and you know they're, they're really good people still. Do you know what I mean? It's, I'm not saying what they're doing is wrong, but when I was like younger and partying and stuff, we used to like go in the park and drink, and you know, then we got a bit older, used to go to the pub and all that stuff. You know, when I was like, you know, eighteen, sixteen, whatever I was, you go to clubs and not like they are now. Like we used to go to school. And then go and party after school, and then college, party after college, and then now they're like pushing thirty, and they still do the same thing. They just go work, and then party after work, and it's just like that. It's just like they work in a factory or work as a plumber. Oh, I'm not saying these are bad jobs, by the way. I'm just saying these are not jobs for me. No, these are just not jobs that I'm interested yeah. in. 
And then they just go like pub, sniffing coke all the time, fighting on a weekend. Back again, work, pub, sniffing coke, taking drugs, fighting on a weekend, getting arrested. Uh, and it's just like that. And I didn't want to be, I didn't want that for myself. Um, this is like that. I'm from like a pretty small town and everyone's got like that small town mentality. By the way, I'm not trying to say these are bad people because they're not. This is just like, the, this is just the place where I'm from. Um, that's what people do. And I just didn't really want that for myself. So without the fighting and stuff, it would be, I wouldn't say that I would have done it because I still, I don't know if I would have, but it, it would have been easy to do that because that's what everybody else does. Yeah. Do you really enjoy having the sort of structures of, of being a fighter? Do you find like having that routine and structure kind of keeps your head where it needs to be? Yeah, exactly. Exactly. I love that. Um, just waking up, sorting the kids out in the morning, then I go and train, come back, rest a little bit, mess about with the kids, run a few errands, then I go and train again, come back, sleep, and just repeat that. Do you know what I mean? I've got a goal, and I just go towards that. That's why I was saying, like, in between fights, I've not got a fight signed. And I don't have that routine. I'm just a bit like, shit, what do I do? Should, should I start doing what the other guys are doing? Should I then start going down the pub, having a brawl on a weekend, and staying up till all hours? And then say it, it makes me a little bit of a better person. Like I'm a, I'm a better everything, I think, when I'm mm. training because my mind is like, I know exactly what I need to do every day. I know exactly when I need to do it. Yeah. And I've had that many fights now. I, I know exactly how I need to prepare and what to do and what not to do. Uh, I'm not really testing it out anymore. I know exactly what I need from like a training camp. Um, so yeah, I, I, it's just when I've not got a fight, I'm just like, shit, what do I do with my days really? Yeah. I, I just don't have anything else really. <laughs> and how is fighting as a dad? Like, you've probably got the, the you know we know it's a it, it can be a, a dangerous sport and you've got little ones at home that'll be hoping that dad comes home or i know your kids are very young so maybe they don't quite understand what dad does for a living yet i'm not sure but how is it fighting as a dad with the thoughts of your kids in the back of your head but also in terms of like having to go abroad spending time away from the kids especially when maybe i don't know if you had to quarantine after like fight island and spend time in hotel Planning for your next trip? Elevate your travel style with Quince. Quince has all the jet-setting essentials you'll want for your next getaway, like European linen, premium luggage options, buttery soft Italian leather bags, and so much more. And it's all priced at 50 to 80% less than similar brands. Plus, Quince only works with factories that use safe and ethical manufacturing practices. Pack your bags with high-quality essentials you'll be wearing for vacations to come with Quince. Go to quince.com slash trip for free shipping and 365-day returns. Mom deserves the best, and there's no better place to shop for Mother's Day than Whole Foods Market. They're your destination for unbeatable savings. From premium gifts to show-stopping flowers and irresistible desserts, start by saving 33% with Prime on all body care and candles. Then get a 15-stem bunch of tulips for just $9.99 each with Prime. Round out Mom's menu with festive rosé, irresistible berry chantilly cake, and more special treats. Come celebrate Mother's Day at Whole Foods Market. Was just away from the kids. How how have you found that? Yeah, it's um, like you say, my kids are very young, so they don't really understand. My kids are like five, and then my oldest son's five. My other sons are two twins, um, so they don't really get it. But yeah, as far as going away, I've got to be honest. I don't really like going away, mm. but 
it is getting a little bit easier, I guess. But I still, I still like carrying the burden of. I don't really like being away from the kids and misses and stuff. Like I, I like to be there and help out and be responsible and do what I can and all that kind of stuff. But this is what I signed up for. So, um, you know, a lot, a lot. This it comes with the job. Do you know what I mean? You've got to yeah. like this getting hurt and getting knocked out and getting submitted and getting tired and getting exhausted and getting injured and being nervous and being anxious on a daily basis. This is what I signed up for. Like, you have to accept that. These are the things that you can't, they're inevitable. Do you know what I mean? They're inevitable. You know, one day I'm going to get knocked clean out. One day I'm going to get really badly injured. One day I'm going to get submitted. One day I'm going to get exhausted. One day I'm going to get so emotional that I don't even want to fight. One day I'm going to be really scared. Like, this, you have to accept that. You have to accept this stuff because if you don't accept it, you're going to be battling with yourself and you don't want to have two fights. You've already got to fight one guy. You don't want to fight yourself as well. So, um, yeah, that's, that's what I signed up for, man. So I've accepted that a long time ago. All of them things that you just rattled off there just highlights that your chosen professions are very, very niche and unique profession to uh, pursue, isn't it? Nobody else has them kind of concerns going to work, do they? No, but you know what? It's it's, it's just so normal for me yeah. at this stage that I don't really, uh, I don't really think about it that much. You know, I don't, I only really think about it like when I'm talking about it. Really, I don't. It's not like a, I don't sit there. It's like you just every time before a fight I'm in the back and I'm so nervous I am so nervous every single time like what's your routine Tom what's your routine before you walk out uh, I don't I don't really have one to be honest um, I just get get the gloves on wrap the hands get the gloves on do a little bit of pad work try and just stay as relaxed as possible uh, what I always try and tell myself is that is like this is what I signed up for like yeah. this is supposed to happen like just just relax like don't try and fight because I spent a long time fighting against this stuff. Do you know what I mean? I spent a long time being like, you can't be scared. You can't be scared going into a fight with someone. Like, no, you, it's fine. Like, yeah. you're, suppo- you're supposed to be. Just chill. Just relax. Like, accept that you're going to be scared every time you go in and you're going to be fine. Don't, like I said, don't have two fights. You don't need to have two fights. You've already, you're already fighting one absolute beast. You don't need to fight yourself as well. Yeah. Let's just, uh, yeah, so... Yeah, I don't, I don't, as far as routine goes, like a physical routine, I do a lot of breathing exercises and uh, listen to music, stuff like that, but not, I don't have anything where it's like, oh shit, if I don't have to lose, I mean, it's more just, I just try and enjoy myself more than anything. Yeah. Just, just out of interest, uh, what music are you listening to? Are you listening to something like, you know, pretty tranquil and calm, or are you literally listening to, you know, full on like death metal to try and absolutely power you up? <laughs> no, you know, you know, when I'm training, uh, I listen to like stuff that like pumps me up. Try to anyway, um, especially on days like today, man. Friday, I'm so <laughs> exhausted today. I was at the gym before. I was just like, oh, what comes Friday? I don't really need anything to pump me up, you know. My senses are so heightened. Like, I'm so... I don't know, it's so weird. It's like, again, speaking for myself here, but my body almost, like, prepares itself before my mind does. So weird. Like, I get... um, I don't know, like, you feel pain less than you would usually. And my goes really, like, tight. I don't know. It's it's only a really feeling I get that when I'm fighting. It's like... My stomach's like, it feels like it's got knots in it or something. I don't know. 
But uh, it's almost like my body's preparing itself for what it's going to do before I actually do it. It's really weird. What do you make of the heavyweight division at the moment? Like we've got Garn Lewis is cut. I don't know when this episode will be released, but we're a day away from Garn Lewis for the uh, the interim heavyweight title. You've got Ngannou that's only four months into his reign as the proper heavyweight champion. John Jones is waiting in the wings, bulking up. You've got uh, Stipe at one point might be coming back. So what do you think the heavyweight division is in a really good place at the moment? And do, how far away, how many wins away are you from really getting in that title picture mix? Yeah, I think the division is in the best state it's kind of been in for a long time. Like it's got some really talented guys in, in the heavyweight division at the moment. Um, as far as me getting up there, um, it's going to be a few years yet. I'm not really interested in fighting for a title yet. I'm not. Um, I've got a lot to learn, man, before I get up there. I think. So, but if you keep winning, is that is it in your hands much? I mean, like like uh, Cyril Garn has only been doing MMA for three years. I know he was doing like Muay Thai before that or whatever. But if you beat the next opponent and then the next opponent, then surely you're looking at being in something like the top five or six if you if you do that so yeah possibly possibly i don't know it, it's difficult to say um to be honest i don't really look into stuff like that too i don't i don't really focus on what's gonna go on like i just live i try and live for like what's going on today you know i've got yeah. i've got my fight coming up soon and which has not been announced yet by the way so i can't really say too much on it i don't know why it's not been announced but it's pretty soon and um yeah, I do, I do. we're going to keep you on the line afterwards and try <laughs> okay, and get yeah, some yeah. of the juice out of you once we stop recording. Yeah, I'll, t- I'll tell you, yeah, just don't put it nowhere public because I'll get bollocked for it. No, we won't. But um, yeah, I'm I'm just like really focusing on that, and I don't mean to give like a boring answer. I mean, I just focus on this guy. It's not really like that. I just try and focus on really just like what I'm doing, like this week today. Even the fight's still like weeks away, so I don't really think I just focus on like what have I got to do today and tomorrow and that, that's really it I don't really think like oh what happens if I win this what happens if I lose this guy this guy beat I don't really I try not to really like delve into that too much well I'm, I'm going to ask you because it is tomorrow how do you see the the Garn Lewis fight going <sighs> see Derek Lewis for me is very not great technically but I feel like his fight IQ is is not great technically, but he's amazing tactically. Like, um, his fight IQ is, is brilliant. It's one of the best in the UFC, and I don't think he gets a lot of credit for it. Um, Can you explain that a little bit more, Tom? Yeah, of course. Um, so, if you look at his last fight, I fought on the same show when he fought Curtis Blades. Curtis Blades is a lot better technically than Derek Lewis. Like, he can do everything. He can kick, punch, he knows the range well, he can obviously wrestle, jiu-jitsu, he's got submissions, he's got amazing ground and pound, all the rest of it. But, obviously, Derek Lewis knocked him spark out by, when I say fight IQ, he chooses his moment exactly when to attack and when not to attack. Like, he chooses his openings so well. Now, on the flip side of that, if you look at Cyril Gann, he fights within what I would call like a safe zone so he has his techniques, which he does very well. He's amazing technically. And he is really good tactically too. He's like, he won't take too many risks. Even when he's got someone hurt, he won't jump all over him and swarm all over him and leave himself open, which 
in my opinion, works into his favour very well when he's fighting someone like Derek Lewis, who waits for someone to get a little bit sloppy before he starts landing his bombs. So if I had to, I would say if I had to bet, but I'm probably going to bet on Lewis because it's really good odds. <laughs> but <laughs> if, so, if someone had a gun to my head and said who was going to win, I would I would say Gann, but you never know with Derek Lewis, man. He's, you need literally... One second, and he can just he can knock you out. So I would never really, um, I would never like say Lewis is going to lose really. But I think Gans a lot better than him. Absolutely, absolutely. Well, Tom, we've had you for for just shy of an hour now, and I know that you've been training this morning. You've you, you've got training this afternoon. So, uh, so was there anything else you wanted to get in, Blake, before I? Uh, Wrap wrap things up. Well, no, no. Do you know, do you know what, mate? I just I I've heard you talk on a few interviews, and one of the things that uh, kind of in a little bit of a way is is something I need to take on board and help me out a little bit. And I wonder if if listeners would as well. You you speak really quite beautifully about living in the moment. You kind of reference it a little bit earlier, but just like your goal seems to just be to be content and to be happy in yourself and your life and I've heard you talk about that I think it was in an interview with with John Gooden maybe and um I just think it's very easy for people in this day and age of social media and stuff to kind of start looking left and right and start going uh anyone that no one's been able to see this but I actually said left and right and looked the wrong way <laughs> both those moments uh, but <laughs> but you know you do I think in the age of social media you can you can look left and you look right and uh you um you start to compare yourself to other people, but the way that you speak, it seems like you don't necessarily suffer with that too much. You seem to be very much in like, you know, it's it's about yourself and your own journey and you're just focused on what's going to make you content and happy in the long run. And I don't even know if there's a question at the end of this. It's just something that I'll just, I got from you when you, you were speaking in other interviews and I just, I think it's a really brilliant way to, to see life. Uh, oh, I appreciate that. No, thanks for that. Um, mate, I've got my flaws, same as everybody else. I've got some massive flaws, uh, but I try. that's the way I try and live. It doesn't work like that all the time, obviously. Do you know what I mean? Sometimes I'll be sat on my phone, yeah. I won't fucking look up for three hours, and I'm thinking, oh shit, I need to change all this stuff about myself, etc. Same as everybody else. Um, yeah, I try. I mean, my deep side, my deep side must be coming out in interviews because a lot of people who know me personally, like they would, never, like they would just think I'm a joker or something. I don't know. I just, I just piss about <laughs> all the time. But I'm actually going to ask. I've got something else for you to ask, but I want to ask it after the interview. So yeah, I don't, fine. I don't want it. Public. All the listeners now, like, what's going yeah, yeah, on? <laughs> I, I've got, I've got a private method for you. I'm going to tell you in a sec. All right, that, that sounds right. good. All right. Well, uh, Tom, thanks so much for your time today, mate, and and, and best of luck in uh, in in the upcoming fight. Uh, whoever it is, we're going to hang around and try and find out. Um, yeah, best of luck, Tom. If people want to keep up to speed um, with with you on the socials and that, where's the best place to follow you, mate? Oh, you can just get me on Instagram. That's all I really use at the minute. Um, I forgot my Twitter password, so don't don't, <laughs> don't get me on that. And uh, Facebook. All these other fighters are calling you out on Twitter. They're like, he's ducking me. He's ducking me. I've just forgot my password, mate. <laughs> that's that's pretty much it. So don't don't Twitter me. Uh, yeah, just just Tom Aspel ninety three on uh, Instagram, Facebook. I don't bother with it. So I do have a page, but I don't run the page. Someone else runs it. I don't even know who runs it. So uh, if you're going to speak to me on that, probably not going to reply. To be honest, if you speak to me on Instagram, 
I'm, pro- I'm probably not going to reply as well. So just just, <laughs> just, uh, just keep giving me the love if you can. Oh, hey, whatever, whatever you want. Feel free to say whatever you want. I'm not bothered. doesn't matter to me. Oh, man. Thanks loads, Tom. Brilliant. Cheers, mate. Nice one, Tom. Been a pleasure. Cheers, mate. Nice one. Well, there you go. Tom Aspinall. Um, I mean, it's a cliche, um, but... What a lovely guy. What a lovely guy. We keep saying it. We keep just interviewing lovely people, but well, well, it's I true. Hope that just goes to show everyone that, you know, all of those doubters that will still be saying that MMA is this brutal sport full of barbarian, barbarians, barbarians, but barbarians, barbarians, what's barbarians. the word I'm looking for? I think you were sort of going to say barbaric something and you got caught between yes. two words. That's what it was. Yes. Um, I hope that we're absolutely putting any of that kind of nonsense to bed because everybody we've spoken to so far since we've launched this podcast has been so lovely, down to earth. Tom's sitting there saying, you know, still still has tears, you know, in training yeah. if it doesn't go well. These are human beings with souls and, you know, they're, they're just lovely people. And this was absolutely what we experienced today. Yeah, what a lovely bloke, as you say. Really open and honest and talking about, you know, the the difficult things that have gone on in his career and even still to this day, as you mentioned, like getting upset when the training's not going his way and stuff like that. And then also, I mean, you know, check out other interviews with Tom as well. He really does speak very eloquently and, and beautifully just about living in the moment doing what's right for him and his family and his kids and and just just being content and he you know he's he didn't say it in this interview but he has many times about that the fact that he's very very confident that he will be a heavyweight champion of the UFC at some point but he's not interested in getting there super quick you know he, 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 as long as he gets there that's all he cares about and he'll take that the slow road to get there and he said I, I think that that's really intelligent of him to to know and you you mentioned it as well the way that he you know turned down that UFC contract the first time it was offered to him because he thought no I'm not quite ready yet I want to make sure that when I'm there I really truly belong there and I think that takes a lot of self-awareness and, and intelligence and, and I love that Absolutely, absolutely. Um, thank you to you lot for listening and supporting this podcast. Um, should always um, mention that it's uh, it's been lovely seeing how you have supported this podcast, and uh, you know we're still we're still the new kids on the block. We're still only like four months in, um, and if this was your first time listening and you, you enjoyed us speaking to um, one of the UK's um, most exciting uh, UFC fighters, we've spoke to. A whole big bundle of amazing uh, British fighters uh, that are making serious waves. Um, you know, people that have gone from cage warriors like Ian Gary that we've just seen signed to the UFC, yes. Paddy the Baddy Pimlet that's you know making his debut soon in the UFC, um, and we've done uh, Matthew Bonner who's recently won the title in Cage Warriors. Um, who else have we had UK fighters? Well, UK got two fight- Scottish fighters. We've had. Um, Jojo and Paul Craig. Yep, Jojo Calderwood, Paul Craig. We've had Brett Johns, Jack Shaw, Mason Jones, the Welsh contingent there. And then we've had uh, Molly McCann. Um, uh, and then outside the UK, we've had Angela Hill, Alexander Volkanovsky, uh, Kenny Florian. Uh, Who is that other one? Oh, Tyron, Tyron Woodley. That's him, yeah, Tyron Woodley. Tyron Woodley. So, I mean, it's, it's been great, isn't it? Because we've had like some of the absolute fantastic 
British yep. MMA fighters, some of which have a long career ahead of them and they're, they're only really just starting out their, their UFC careers. And then we've had former and current UFC champions. I mean... It's, it's been amazing, really. Really has. And, and there's been some other um, really unique little episodes as well. Like our, our chat with John Gooden was really fascinating. Getting a peek behind what it's like to be, you know, be, be one of the pundits, be in there and like how, how these events run and what he has to do, at, you know, to, to, to ensure that what you're seeing and hearing is, is on point. It's a really fascinating peek behind the curtain uh, of, of, of somebody that works, you know, on, on, on that side of the event. And also the third person in the octagon, you know, we spoke to, you know, one of the best, Mark Goddard, and that's a, a fantastic um, listen. You know, Mark, as, as, as I'm, if you've ever heard him speak, you know, I'm sure you're aware he's super concise, um, really interesting and, and, and very very confident and outspoken in, you know in in his abilities and his and his work within the octagon and, and it's a fascinating listen that and then you've got our, our fight or flight episodes you've got all our pre and post shows with um with our team Scroobius Pip Brian Lacey and others and I think that's it really I think we've well, plugged shout pretty out. much everything yeah well shout out to Arnold Allen as well because I mean he's one of those kind of underrated uh, UK fighters that very easily could find his way into title contention he keeps winning he keeps doing phenomenally well and we've got a great episode with him talking about sparring with people like GSP so it's all there we've got some fantastic episodes for you in the archive so go and check those out you can follow us on all the social media platforms, Facebook, Twitter, and Instagram. Just search the MMA Fan Podcast and it will turn up. Send us a message. Um, give us a like, love, share, or retweet. Yeah, always get in touch. Let us know um, who you'd like to hear us chat to. and uh, Or, yeah, just let us know what you think of the podcast. And we'll be back next time. Blake, I'm out of here. Bye-bye. Bye. Peace. I'm out of here. <laughs>